0: Hey guys, I'm Amad al and this is See Something Say Something. Again, I can't do the intros when I'm fasting, I'm sorry. It's the show where we drink jaya, tell stories, and talk about being Muslim in America. Um, This is the third episode in our Ramadan series. We're gonna be focusing on black Muslim stories and the ways in which they are often not put at the center of the conversation.
1: Say something. Nothing at all. Nothing at
0: all. So, in this episode, first we're going to talk about the hashtag Black Muslim Ramadan and Blackout Eid and why they're so important at recentering the narrative around Black Muslims. And then we're going to make a call to Ikhlas Salim and ask her about. Her experience growing up in an all-black Muslim community and leaving that community. And then Ikhlas made a call to her mom and had a really lovely conversation, which we were going to play. Well, uh, my guest today is Sarah Hagee, um, who is a staff writer at Vice Canada. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hey, um, also, I did not have suhoor today. I'm extremely dehydrated.
1: Oh, my God. I, I am so hungry right now.
0: <laughs> Already? See, I don't usually I, wake I up know, hungry.
1: You no, know, you know what it is? I feel like the more you eat for suhoor, the hunger you get during the day. I don't know. That's just my theory, but. Uh,
0: well, are, are you sure?
1: <laughs> I don't feel, I don't feel
0: like that's true at all. I feel like that's when nonsensical, I.
1: nonsensical. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like there's something there. Because, whatever, I mean, I'm just going crazy right now. So this is going to be a real loopy conversation. Okay. (laughs) Well,
0: uh, you know, we've been Twitter mutuals for a while and you're really active and great at Twitter. So I... Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So can you tell us a little bit about Black Muslim Ramadan and Blackout Eid from your perspective?
1: Yeah. um, So, I mean, obviously I didn't start any of those hashtags, um, but... For example, last year um, on Snapchat, when they had those whatever global stories for Eid and Ramadan, I felt like there were no black Muslims in it Mm -hmm. at all. It was really all Arabs and Asians. And I just found that so strange. And I think this is a way to kind of not wait for anyone to be like, oh, hey, wait a second, there are black Muslims. It's more like, yeah, we're black Muslims and we're celebrating ourselves and, you know, we're celebrating Ramadan and we're celebrating Eid.
0: Yeah, I feel like the difference between them in my experience, because I've actually written about both of these things as well, um, that Black Muslim Ramadan is sort of like showing the like under-talked about practices that Black Muslims do, whereas like most people Mm -hmm. like write about Ramadan. It's like, oh, Ramadan is all about like samosas and pakoras. (laughs) And, you know, Black Muslim Ramadan is sort of like talks about some of the things that Black Muslims do that aren't usually centered.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I feel like there's just so much diversity with Black Muslims you know, you can be from really anywhere. I mean, they're uh, American, black Muslims, you know, I'm Somali, all over, you know, Africa, just all over the place. And I feel like every, culture i guess is so different that it's just you realize how much diversity there even is within black muslims
0: you know how like on eid people like are all like always showing off at the mosque with how amazing their outfits are
1: yeah yeah doesn't it feel like black Very familiar.
0: yeah doesn't it doesn't feel like black eid is like the like an amazing twitter version of that where everyone is just like stunned. yeah it's
1: just insane because everyone's so good looking and they're so well dressed and that's why i never participate in these hashtags because it feels <laughs> like crap every eid i, I feel like i like man i really need to step it up every year i'm like i'm gonna step it up i'm gonna look nice um and i never do and i'm just like i can't compete with this but it's really nice to see it's very inspiring to me because i'm like this this could be me next year
0: yeah i mean i i feel you like i sometimes obviously not the specific hashtag but when i look at like all the like adorable uh muslim young folks i'm like man i wish when i was like a hot teen like i had uh twitter and could have could have posted selfies
1: <laughs> but yeah um, you know what they they don't understand the struggle because when I was a teenager, I was ugly as hell. And you know what? So were a lot of other Muslim girls because we now have these yeah. tutorials telling us how to look nice. <laughs> anyway, it's a whole other topic. But um, to be honest, it's kind of like I died so they could fly sort of situation.
0: <laughs> Your sacrifices will not be forgotten. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious if you feel like it's a response to both the community and also the media? Or is it like, w- like how would you think about it in terms of like, who's being criticized? Everyone, basically?
2: I
1: think, yeah, I think it's kind of everyone. But I think even more specifically, it is the Muslim community at large as well. Because, you know, growing up and, you know, going to lectures or, you know, sort of conferences and stuff, you did feel like a real lack of, any sort of representation or even, I guess, discussion about what it's like to be Black and Muslim, um, and I feel like that's something that people don't really talk about because it is a it is a pretty unique experience. And even within Muslim communities, I know a lot of Black Muslims just feel like they're kind of pushed to the side. Yeah, you know, one good example is uh, a lot of Black people I know who converted to Islam. Um, you know, they felt kind of like they receive a different type of attention than, for example, a white person who converts, where it's kind of like, you know, people aren't all like, oh, wow, good for you, or anything. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, cool, you're Muslim. You know what I mean?
0: The way white converts are so valued, yeah, that's a really good point.
1: You know, I really do think, like, it, it does have a lot to do with a response to how black Muslims are treated within our own community. Because, I mean, you still see it all the time. I have so many friends who aren't black Muslims. And they tell me like, Oh, I would never be able to marry a black person. Mm. No, I wouldn't be able to, but like my parents wouldn't like it if I did. Um, Which is just the reality of the situation where they're like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't obviously, I mean, they don't care, but they're like, Oh, it'd be a huge deal with my family. There's just so much stuff that people don't really talk about. And this is just a way for black Muslims to, you know, Be like, we don't really need you, and we're doing fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I like how it's very, you know, it's like inward-facing. It's community building in a way. And I think there's an interesting Mm -hmm. thing also that you mentioned, which is like it's it's a really diverse community. It's it includes converts, it includes children of converts, and it includes the African diaspora. Um, Can you talk about the ways in which like? like the internet and Twitter have um, built some of that community and like lines of communication between those
1: communities? Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, growing up, I guess, because I'm Somali, most of my experience with other black Muslims was, it was always Somali people or East Africans, maybe people from Ethiopia or Eritrea. Um, But I realized, like, honestly, through the internet and Twitter, I realized just like, this sounds stupid, but there's just, there are just so many Black Muslims. Mm. Clearly, there are. I mean, they don't need the internet to show me that. But then you just realize, like, wow, there are really so many of us, I and mean, we all are like so different, and we, but we like share this experience. This, not this hashtag specifically, but just being online really opened my eyes to all the different types of Muslims in general.
0: Yeah, same. Twitter is an amazing place. Like, and these hashtags also. Like, I I learn a lot reading through them. You know.
1: Yeah, and I mean being in Canada our, our black population is pretty different than you uni- than the United States. Sure. Um so it's it is really cool I mean just seeing like oh in America I guess it's it's really different like there are a lot of black muslim converts who you know are have been in the United States for generations and generations and they have their own traditions and you know what I mean it's just like really nice to see how many different kinds of muslims there are.
0: I was just going to ask you um what are your Ramadan plans? Do you have any plans for Eid?
1: My only goal this year, and this has been my goal for so many years, is I wanna be the person giving kids candy at Prayer. <laughs> I wanna have the bag of candy, I wanna be the Pied Piper, I want the kids to follow me around with my bag of candy.
0: As someone who has done that before, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. <laughs> They'll be like, Um, I didn't get enough candy, can I have more? And they've like clearly been like stockpiling the whole time. <laughs> My community used to do these like um, these Ziploc bags full of like like uh, a bunch of different kind of candies, like mostly candy bars and chips and stuff. And we were spo- we were supposed <laughs> to give out one to each kid, but uh, they would always want like three or four.
1: Kids are hustlers, and you know, I I mean, I was like that too, so I can't really same, hate. Same. But no, I want I want to be that person this year. I think that's my goal, and then I don't know, probably just doing a bunch of stuff with kids.
0: Sarah thank you for joining us where can people find your work
1: my twitter is twitter.com slash geeky longlegs stupid name I know but it's stuck and I can't do anything about it
0: um, and what about your writing advice
1: oh yeah just Sarah Haggy advice if you google it it's all there I guess
0: thanks for coming on the show thank you it was so fun So my second guest for the day is friend of the show and fellow podcaster, Ikhlas Salim, who is calling in from Atlanta. Hi, Ikhlas. Hey. Ikhlas Salim is the deputy director of digital and social media for Education Post, as well as a co-host and the creator of the Identity Politics podcasts with Makali. Yep. Um, but also, the you know, she has a longer relationship with BuzzFeed, which is that you uh, wrote an essay for us in my, our inaugural Ramadan essay series last year called There's Nothing Regular About Being Black and Muslim in America.
3: Man, Ahmed, that's so sad. I thought you were going to say the longer relationship is that we were friends.
0: <laughs> it's true. We were also We were, also were and still friends.
3: Are friends.
0: <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about this essay you wrote last year. Um a lot of it is about you grappling with your different black and Muslim identities. And it starts with this letter that you received from a older member of the community who uh, you found out passed away recently and you feel this guilt about this community you were raised with fading away and the legacy that you have to uphold of like, you know, the black Muslims who came before you. So you went to this K through twelve Islamic school, which comes out of this long history of the Nation of Islam and former Nation of Islam um, black Muslims establishing centers of education that are primarily black. And I'm just really fascinated by how Islamic schools are run and how it feels to grow up around all Muslims. What was celebrating Ramadan like at that school?
3: So usually us kids, you know, we would try to fast half a day. Um, which is great, right? Because you're just waking up and by the time you wake up, it's time to break fast. Mm. Um, And then when I got older, I remember one of the most embarrassing things of like just being a girl. When you got your period, everyone knew that you weren't fasting.
0: Everyone (laughs) knows you have your period.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, like, that was a time where it was still kind of embarrassing to have your period so you're like sitting out of prayer and then you have to go make the walk to the cafeteria and it almost feels like a walk of shame like all the girls in their period walking together and like eating um, in the cafeteria but you know now I'm older and grown and I'm like whatever <laughs> I'm gonna eat this burger um, <laughs> but yeah so I remember it just being really nice to be in a community feeling and then we would all walk to the masjid for iftar have iftar like while our parents are praying tarawi we're going to the gas station to get snacks <laughs> and, like, if someone has a car like driving Real. to a waffle house to eat so not very like spiritually in when i was younger but definitely that community feeling
0: you guys have waffle house we have to yeah. settle for crappy old ihop See, which no. i hear a waffle house is way better it's
3: way better
0: i think one thing that Um, I have not seen a lot of is like, what is, you know, Islam like in the South? What is it Mm -hmm. like to be Muslim in the South? Um, You know, just like being Muslim in the Midwest feels so different from the East Coast. I had such an adjustment period moving to the East Coast, which I think you also told me you've had a bit of an adjustment period. What was the difference like for you?
3: Yeah. So from the South to the Northeast...
0: We know we don't even need to talk about oh, the motions. Okay. Maybe the better <laughs> question is, what is Islam like in this? What was is your practice of Islam like in a, in the South?
3: I don't know if this is fair to say. Like people can call me out if it's not true, but I didn't feel as much of a community hmm. in the Midwest and the Northeast as I do in the South. So during Ramadan or even even throughout the year, there are always like events happening. There are like Muslim young professionals. There are like Muslims mm-hmm. who run. Um, there are all of these groups set in place where you feel like, oh, okay, like I'm living a very fulfilling life as a Muslim that's not just centered, you know, around the masjid. And I think that's something that I felt more of in the South than I have in other communities I've been in.
0: Yeah. And certainly, of course, there's also something to like not being home you know I mean like you it's one of the interesting things is like when you go off to college you have to find a new community Mm. and it's not always easy like I didn't find it always super easy to find a community in college um was it difficult for you to find a community in college
3: so I would say the most difficult part about that and I said this in the essay I wrote it was like not a consolidated community (laughs) like I was like oh okay so I'm gonna hang with the black people Over here in this group, and then I'm going to hang with the Muslim people in this group. But I didn't find that the groups overlap very much unless, you know, like I was doing the overlapping.
0: (laughs) One of the most powerful moments for me in the essay is this part where like an older sister figure, basically, you hear that she has this like sort of like proclamation, this theory that when you get to college you'll have to choose black or muslim yeah um and like you know this person chose to be black basically mm-hmm. um and you know you decide to like do a hybrid thing Can you talk about that a little bit?
3: Yeah. So my friend told me that her older sister said that. And I was like, wow, it's just like, how true is that of like the college experience for me? And so when I went to college, I was like, "Okay, there's the Muslim students group. But in the Muslim Students Association, there weren't any black people. There is one girl who was a year or two above me um, from Niger. She was in the students association, but she didn't come really often. Um, And then there was the black students group who obviously they were all black, but (laughs) none of them were Muslim, right? So, you know, I would go to both and Sometimes when I went to the black students group, I'd be like, oh, man, like, I don't really get to share this Muslim part of me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I would go to the Muslim student group and I was like, oh, this is, you know, like, I felt kind of divided in that. But both of them meant so much to me. I really wanted to be able to express both of those identities while in college and then. The third group I joined was like the international students group, <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> because I was like, like 100% you know what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, you know, why not? Like, you know, I had friends who were international students, and I would want to go on like the international boat cruise. I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, my name is. You know, a class. I'm from, you know, northern Ghana. That's where the Muslims are. And like, <laughs> you, know,
0: you did not. I you did. actually did that? Did.
3: Yeah, you know, in college, you can be who you want to be. So that's that.
0: <laughs> I think one thing that you talk about in, in your essay, um, which is you talk about your um, mother's conversion to Islam and like how she came into this community that at that time was the nation community. And then, you know. Transferred over to Sunniism with Warth Deen Muhammad, but like how you've inherited this legacy, right? Like this mm-hmm. for so many people. Like even if those Muslim girls never met a Black Muslim, you know that people that they grew up with people quoting Malcolm X, yeah, talking about Muhammad Ali, right. like they, like that was something that was very easy for like speaking even personally for like immigrant Muslims to like latch onto as like this is a community that. Like this is like a history and legacy of American Muslims that's like really, really cool and mm-hmm. meaningful and helps me understand my place in society. But like um, in a practical sense, a lot of people don't interact with that community. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how did you um, navigate that space?
3: Yeah. You know, I was somewhere recently where um, someone was like, oh, talking about, you know, books that had the most impact on them. And they're like, and yes, like reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, like changed my life, which I think is so interesting because in my mom's generation, I don't know anyone who really even talks about Malcolm X. Like, in my Masjid community growing up, it was not about Malcolm X at all. Like, yes, we had to read the autobiography of Malcolm X, but who we heard over and over was, like, Imam Murafdi Muhammad, like, may Allah Mm. have mercy on him, like, over and over and over and over again. (laughs) And my mom would, like, play his tapes in the morning, had a collection of all of his books. So it's interesting, you know, that when people think, of the Black Muslim community, they think of Malcolm X, when I think a lot of people from my parents' generation, that's not the first person that they go to. Yeah, so I mean, I think my interactions with that is interesting, because you have this uh, South Asian and Arab community that really identifies with the story of Malcolm X, even though that's not the predominant story or narrative um, within African American Muslim communities. Um, So when people tell me, oh, yeah, you know, like, and this, this has happened, where people are like, yeah... You know, when I tell them they're Muslim, yeah, I really love Brother Malcolm. You know, like, he did a lot for me. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. <laughs> 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 like, I'm so well, happy you... for you. And he's such a significant figure. And, like, you know, may Allah have mercy on him. He was really wonderful and very impactful. But I, that's not necessarily the narrative of the community I come from.
0: Right. Do you feel like people are, like, does that feel, like, confessional to you? Like, yeah. people are looking for you to, like, give them advice or something i don't know or validate them maybe
3: yeah they're like you know i'm cool with black people like (laughs) i'm cool with black muslims like i know where you come from um yeah i don't know but i mean it's not necessarily a bad thing i think it's just like funny to me right to give that disclaimer of like yeah you know i know malcolm
0: (laughs) (laughs) another reason why i wanted to like check in with you again is because um, at the end of your essay, you, you know, basically come home, you know, you go back to Atlanta um, and you realize that, like, you've changed a little bit and, like, the community has changed also. Mm-hmm. Um, you just had to, like, find your place in a, in a different way than maybe you did before. Yeah. What's it like being in Atlanta now um, after thinking through all these things?
3: Yeah. Okay. So it's so funny because I was like, why did I write that essay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you mean it was so because good
3: then it just like increased like the level of guilt and like responsibility from like 10 to 100 so uh-huh. it's so funny cause like um people in my community after i wrote that and i would go to juma um people would come up to me and be like oh yeah oh i read your essay like really great and then that they were sharing it with others and this was like older muslims in my community younger ones um and then just like other people who weren't necessarily muslim but could identify with that experience of like going home right and feeling that responsibility so after that essay i was like dang now i really got to do something <laughs> Um so I actually started when I came home I was trying to find you know like where is my place what how can I contribute um and I think that's a difficult thing right when you're trying to think about how you can tr- contribute to something that you know that needs your help but and knowing that you have a skill set right that may be helpful but maybe that's not what they need um so mm-hmm. recently I started working with a couple of uh preteen girls with the book club um and then, you know, I just like go to events that my school and masjid host. So all of this to say is that I haven't really made a significant impact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're still figuring it out. As we all are. As we all out. are.
3: Yeah. So like, you know, when there are things happening, I like support. Um uh, but you know, Ahmed, honestly, it's it's hard. It's like Drake, you know you got to start from the bottom. <laughs> 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 yeah, and so that's where I am. But you've now. got a
0: you've got a community s- to support you that cares about you. You're not starting with nothing.
3: Yeah, no, I'm definitely not starting with nothing, and definitely um, like elders in my community are they they do ask me. I have one imam who I grew up with, and he's always just like, what do you want to do? How can I help you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> just tell me. <laughs> uh, but I think that's the hardest thing about the community.
0: I sometimes feel this way about my immigrant parents, like because the previous generation did something that was like so radical yeah. and like unbelievably new that you yeah. like have a hard time thinking th- like how you can get to the- on that level.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think in addition to the radical, and this is something – I've talked about with like friends is you know the older generation was willing to make so many sacrifices that honestly like I am just not prepared to make. <laughs>
0: well, like what? What what are some sacrifices? <laughs> right, like you would, you... I think
3: the biggest sacrifice is honestly time. Um I think that, you know, subhanallah, like the people in my community have given so much of their time. Like You know, coming after work to volunteer, coming before work to volunteer, spending their weekends, right, to volunteer, doing anything that's needed, whether that's like cleaning up before an event, setting up before an event, cooking for the actual event, right? And you're working off of limited funds. Often you've donated most of the funds and... Not because you're rich, right, and just have the money, but this community means so much to you that you're like, listen, like, if I have to cut back in other areas, then, like, I'm going to give as much as I can give as possible to sustain this community. And that's just, like, not my mindset. Like, I haven't had any thing in my life to motivate me that much right Mm -hmm. where i'm willing to sacrifice everything and i don't i don't have that level (laughs) of sacrifice
0: what does your like mom say to you about that does your mom give you shit
3: (laughs) i think my mom is just like she is someone who has always been like you know like you need to go to this or you should support this um but she's never actually like always growing up my mom was very much like, you are independent of me, right? Like, the decisions you make, like, I'm not responsible for those decisions. So, (laughs) you know, like, seriously, like, even when it came to prayer, like, she wasn't someone who reminded us, you know, like, oh, it's time for asr. Like, she would go and make asr. And then we'd be like, man, what? Like, how are you going to pray without us? And she'd be like, you know what time prayer time is. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: your mom, I listened to the episode where you interviewed your mom yeah. back on the podcast What it's called Hawa Wa Iman. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's so intense. Yeah. She's so cool.
3: She's so great. She's so funny. But yeah, it's very much like that's how she feels about things. Like my mom, you know, will give and give and give, but she would never be like, oh, you need to also give, right? That, like, rests with you and your own personal responsibility and your obligations to yourself, Allah, and your community.
0: So where does the guilt come from for you?
3: The guilt comes from, like, man, like, I've come from a community that has given me so much, right? Like, I could never deny, like, even though the school was, like, struggling, right? We didn't even have a science lab. (laughs) Um, Like, there are limited opportunities for AP classes. But knowing the sacrifice that the people took, right, to keep that school open so I could have an Islamic education, um, which has been incredibly, like, invaluable to me, I, I, I feel guilty feeling like I haven't repaid that. That I, I don't know, but it's weird, right? Like millennials, like you feel all this guilt, but what are you doing about it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you write essays on BuzzFeed.com, the website. <laughs> uh, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about too is this like sort of movement online, um, Black Muslim Ramadan, Blackout mm-hmm. Eid, these things where, which are sort of like, fighting the like the visible erasure of black Muslims when people media organizations and Twitter talks about being Muslim it's like mostly brown South Asian and Desi mm-hmm. and Arab Muslims um do you feel that erasure ever or in like yeah
3: man it sucks <laughs> <laughs> it sucks so much and like I'm not gonna cite places and stuff where I see it but I see it I see when I'm not there, when I'm Mm -hmm. not represented, when I'm not reflected. And it's crazy because the other weekend I went uh, for a friend's wedding, actually, my co host Mecca's wedding, uh, to the National Museum of African American History. Um, and the exhibit was super, super tiny. <laughs> like, right? Like, I was very <laughs> disappointed that the museum didn't show more um, of Islam's connection to mm, the history mm, of African Americans mm. in this country. That was very disappointing. Um, but they did have a small space where I saw a sister uh, who's in my community, like in a video. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I can actually see myself in this museum. Um, But yeah, I do see the erasure. Now, I say that to say, I think that African-American Muslim community, black Muslim community, I don't know, people feel differently, African-American black. But um, I see more now, I think, Um, definitely more visibility. You see uh, black Muslims presenting more. Um, And, you know, I think this has a lot to do with these people just putting forth their own work, not necessarily like CNN being like, oh man, now we're interested in black Muslims. Um, I think these people right. have definitely had to fight for visibility. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's a struggle. I like to think as a Muslim community in the United States that we're becoming more aware. I always do think that our generation is the one who can help heal this connection between our communities. I mean, as youth, like, <laughs> My mom is always amazed. She's like, girl, you got South Asian friends, you got Arab friends, you got like <laughs> <laughs> Latino friends. Like, you know. And she's talking about Muslims? Yeah, or Muslims. All... Yeah, 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 Muslims. And like, you know, that didn't exist for their generation, right? Like, mm-hmm. the hostility was so deep, right? The <laughs> racism was so entrenched. And, like, from both sides, right? Like, when you're holding on to these stereotypes of who people are, it's going to be hard to form relationships. But with our generation, you know, we're going to college together. We're going to a massages together. Um, so I think that we're helping build that relationship way better <laughs> than our parents could. But, yeah, I, I, I know you mentioned blackout Eid. <laughs> Which is like one of my favorite times of year, and this time <laughs> Do like, you post some fire selfies. Yeah. This time I'm gonna be prepared, so like, <laughs> like I'm already looking up dresses. I'm like a class, like don't mess up, cause last Eid, you know, I was home for Eid, right? Just gotten back. Like, I went to Eid last year. I felt like a bum, like a ragamuffin. I was like, you need to go home <laughs> and try again. So this year, I'm booking henna appointments early. Ooh, like, nice. <laughs> finding a dress. Going to make sure the camera on my phone is crisp and sharp <laughs> so I can be ready. Like, I don't know. And I don't know if it's, like, Atlanta, too, because for Eid, all the massages come together. Oh, really? Yeah, so... As long as we recognize Eid on the same day,
0: <laughs> which doesn't always happen, <laughs> doesn't
3: always happen. Last year it was outside, super hot. The hot they, weather, yeah, oh my god, so hot. They had to tell the imam to like wrap it up because <laughs> <laughs> Eid Khubal was going for so long. They're like, this is not gonna work. Um, but yeah, I, I'm coming correct this blackout Eid. So be on the lookout for my selfies. <laughs>
0: What on Twitter, Instagram, all you that? know,
3: all platforms, um, all platforms,
0: identity <laughs> politics page, just take it over with your your selfies. <laughs>
3: what the selfies?
0: <laughs> so tell us about uh, your podcast a little bit. You host it with um, Maka as well. Um, what's what's uh, like? How would you describe it if you had to do it in a in like you know one sentence?
3: Ooh, one sentence. Oh man, um, I would describe it as a podcast where we talk about Muslims in America. Um, So we focus on race and gender issues primarily. Um, And I would say, honestly, it's a podcast by um, Young Muslims in America, for Young Muslims in America.
0: Um, What's your favorite episode?
3: Oh, this is a hard question because I really, really love the one with my mom. But yes, that
0: is a great episode. That's The also, very first one. <laughs> I
3: know. But it's also the one where it was like I had no idea what I was doing and I was just getting started. But my actual favorite episode is the one where we talk about are all my skin folk my kin folk and just mm-hmm, the relationship mm-hmm. between um, African-Americans and uh, the African diaspora
0: um. Last question would be, um, how is your Ramadan going? Do you have any plans for Eid besides, you know, blackout Eid
3: stuff? Uh, yeah, so Ramadan has been going well. I mean, you know, in the first couple days, you got to tell yourself it's going well. <laughs> Otherwise, you won't survive the remaining days. Um, but you know, alhamdulillah, it's been going very well. I think this is the first time I really actually prepared for it. So I was like fasting one day a week for a few months to try to prepare my body. Um, And then also, like, I never realized that there was, like, a season of Ramadan. Um, So I've been studying with the teacher, and he, like, taught us about the season season of Ramadan. So doing stuff in Rajab, uh, which is, like, two months before, and Shaban, which is the month before. So I was, like, doing spiritual stuff in those two months. And so I finally felt like I was... And a right mindset for Ramadan this year, but it's it's still tough. You know, even though you do all of that, it's like people get on your nerves. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> I get on my own nerves You're in right. Ramadan more than anything else. <laughs> That's true. Ikhlas, where can people find your podcast and your work?
3: Yeah, so you can uh, find Identity Politics on pretty much any platform that you listen to podcasts so you can find us on facebook at identity politics and then on twitter at identity poll pod that's p-o-l-p-o-d and yeah and you can find me on my own personal twitter account at i underscore selene
0: So after this interview, we asked Ikhlas to do a twist on our classic segment, What Does Abu Think? Um, what does Ikhlas's mama think? So she called up her mom, Suraya Farid, with some questions that we were all curious
2: about. Yes. So the first question is, so you actually, when you first... Um, embraced Islam, You, your first Ramadan was during the summer, which is crazy. Um, I think that would have been really difficult for me if I had just started Ramadan in the summer and not during the fall when the days are shorter. So I'm curious, now that we're back in the summertime, how has Ramadan changed since when you first converted?
4: Oh, yes. Um, yes, I, I, I converted, um, I think it was 1974, or 75. And we started Ramadan, our very first the whole community, in 1976. So it's been about 41 years uh, since the community and I have been fasting. And yes, it was difficult. Yes, it was yeah. just um, the mere heat of Miami, and then trying to discipline yourself, trying to try to avoid arguments, frustration just being nice and then trying to keep up with the reading in the Quran. Because with Ramadan, we read about 1 30th of a, par- a portion of the Quran every day until we reach 30 uh, parts. But now your soul, your body, and mind are in tune. You almost know uh, when Ramadan is coming, even if you didn't see a calendar. I wouldn't say we ever got the swing of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you like continue to fast all these Ramadans, are they as special as your yep. first Ramadan? <laughs> or is it just
4: Oh yes ma'am. <laughs> oh no, no ma'am, it's not routine because you are really trying to serve your God, serve Allah. You're really trying to follow the, the principles or the pillars of our Islam.
2: And um this this next question, it's a little bit Egotistical of me <laughs> because I assumed just having me back in Atlanta improved your life. So, <laughs> how has it um, been having me back for Ramadan? Well, I, oh, I, yes, I, I guess it, I was it, back it, last year. So, yeah, the Yeah, yes, you
4: were because because your has been gone. What since you were eighteen? <laughs> since you graduated <laughs> from high school, we hadn't seen you every now and then during the couple of months out of the year. So, we the know. whole family was just. Uh, just really happy and pleased that you uh, return home to us when we're all together trying to serve Allah and fast and Ramadan. It really uh, helps each individual in the family and in the community.
2: Very now that I happy. have you on the line with folks, you also promised to cook iftar. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's coming. That's coming. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) I'll send you over menu suggestions. (laughs) Yes, that'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And then how have I changed since college? Like I know I've definitely changed since like coming from Muhammad schools and going to Wellesley College, like just a completely different experience being in the Northeast and like not in, you know, predominantly African-American Muslim community and moving to Chicago. So, I mean, there's so many things that have changed me that I've noticed about myself, but I'm wondering what are things that you've noticed about me that maybe I haven't.
4: Yeah, what I noticed, you're very diverse. When you stepped out there after 18, after um, high school, you really uh, respected uh, folks for who they were. You had friends from all walks of life, and I, I really do like that because, Allah created all of us that we try to know each other and not despise each other. So you, I think you fulfilled that.
2: Thank you for okay. making me look like a shining star. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, that's all all right.
4: good. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. bye. bye.
0: So every week during our extra special Ramadan series, I am going to highlight some of the great work that the people at BuzzFeed.com have been making for the month. Um, and this week, um, it's actually kind of a preview for our next week's episode. It's a video called Why I Converted to Islam. It was produced by Randal Nagar, um, Danny Menendez, and Noor Gill, who work with us here at BuzzFeed. Basically, they interviewed four converts about sort of what it feels like to be a Muslim convert in 2017 in Trump's America um, and dealing with, you know, the travel ban and people not understanding why you converted to Islam and all that. Um, That's it's really great. You can find it at our Facebook page at See Something, Say Something. This episode is produced by Eleanor Kagan, Megan Dietree, and Meg Kramer. Additional production support from Tabir Akhtar, Zanab Shah, Agarinesha Shagre, and the Pod Squad. Our music is by the Kaminas. You can find me on Twitter or on Tumblr at Rad Brown Dads. You can find my writing at Buzzfeed.com, the website. Sign up for the newsletter at Buzzfeed.com, slash, see something, say something, slash, newsletter. Email us at saysomething@buzzfeed.com or check out our videos on our Facebook page. Um, and follow us on Twitter. We're at See Something. If you like the show, please rate it on iTunes. I'm Amadou Lyuckspur. Thanks for listening.
2: And he's like, hey, you. Hey, you Kiki Legs. I was like, what?
0: He doesn't know. He christened an internet celebrity.